this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week it's the rare opportunity for you to pick a review. Me? You. Cool. I don't get to do this very often. No. In this case, you, I think, randomly ended up picking an album that came out in 1997. <laughs> I don't think it was your intention to, but uh, we've been doing a lot of 1997 stuff this year. Obviously, it's 20 years since 1997, and you randomly picked the band talk show when we were talking last and went through your pile of CDs. Yeah. I happen to have the, I have my CDs arranged in drawers and I had the drawer for, um, T and S that sitting on my desk and I flipped through it. And this was the one in the dead center of that drawer. Well, there you go. So Jay, tell me about talk show from your perspective. Uh, why'd you get the CD? When'd you get the CD? That sort of thing? I got it when it came out. I think I was a little resistant to Stone Temple Pilots when they first broke. I liked Sex Type Thing. I didn't like Creep. I liked Plush. So I kind of got into them on the second record more. Yeah. And then really by, when this came out, was intrigued by the, you know, by the concept of it. The fact that this these guys would go do another band sort of – well, at, yeah, at the absolute height of their success was an interesting choice at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was in based on that. So I got it when it came out. And for people who don't know, this features Dean DeLeo and Robert DeLeo, the DeLeo brothers from Stone Devil Pilots, along with drummer Eric Kretz, without Scott Weiland, who was, let's say, taking a break to go <sighs> through rehab. He was also working on a solo record, and they recruited Dave Coots, who was in the band Ten Inch Men, had just put out not too long ago. In fact, um, it was just in. Uh, so in March of '96, they put out Tiny Music Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. This came out in September, the talk show album of. 1997 so i mean that's a pretty quick turnaround we know how long it takes to you know write and record and then they're doing this with a new lead singer so this is basically just over a year later year and a half later that they 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 put out this record with um with dave coots so it ended up making the uh, billboard 200 only at 131 and the single from the album that did anything was uh, the lead single "Hello, Hello," and then they promptly called it quits in early 1998. So basically, the band was together for about a year and a half, two years. Mm. Um, that's when they would get back together with Scott Weiland. They put out the number four album, which had the lead single "Down" did pretty well, and then no, it had "Sour Girl." That was a huge single. Oh, okay. that was on that record. And um, and then they found followed that up with uh, I believe it was Shangri La Da was the name of that. Which which record is Big Bang Baby on? That's on Tiny Music. Is it? Yep. Huh. Okay. I thought that was later. Nope. 
Big Bang Baby is on Tiny Music, which also has Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart and Lady Picture Show. Those songs ring a bell. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I w- I'm in the same space as you in that I was kind of suspicious of Stone Temple Pilots when they started. I kind of thought that they were doing their version of Pearl Jam with regards to uh, Plush mm. and uh, Sex Type Thing and creep like they you know they kind of were following in the same footsteps and then purple the second album or whatever it's called 12 gracious melodies however you just refer to that one that's where they sort of started to forge their own path and then when tiny music came out i was really a big fan of that record and then the band broke up and there was i actually saw them on tour for uh the tiny music album in up in detroit at the um What's where does the Pistons play up in Detroit? I forgot the name of the. Is it just the Detroit Coliseum? No, um, they play out in the suburbs. So how's that called? Oh, uh, I'll look it up. You keep talking. I don't remember, but I, I remember that they did like you know they did the big rock set, and then like halfway through the set, they like dropped a mini stage like down in front of the main stage, and they did like a four or five song acoustic set that was pretty cool. Um, with like Eric Kretz came out and played, I don't know if he played guitar or if he played like percussion and they just did a strip. They did like, you know, the stuff that you'd expect like big empty and creep. But then they, I think they also did like some of the stuff that you would expect. Uh, I think they did plush as an acoustic song. The so palace remember. of Auburn Hills, palace of Auburn Hills. That's, that's it. That's where I saw stone devil pilots. They now play at little Caesars arena. That's fantastic. <laughs> Pizza, pizza. Uh, yeah. And feel free to uh, send us some pizzas to the Dig Me Out headquarters located in Columbus, Ohio. So I, I did not get this album when it came out, Jay. I was not impressed at the time by the lead single and didn't div- go into it any further than that. So I actually never listened to this album all the way through. Really? Yeah. Huh. Same thing. Was, I've, it, I've never heard the Army of Anyone album or anything Oh, uh, well, that's garbage, but this was pretty, I mean, this was hyped. I mean, this was, oh yeah, we definitely was big deal. A lot and, of marketing uh, put behind it. Yep. Yeah. It was a big deal. I remember it got pushed to college radio and it got pushed on MTV and mainstream radio as well. So, uh, so this is my first time diving into it. So let's do it. Let's talk. Well, actually, before we do, let's talk about the comments that we got from our Patreon folks. Uh, new Patreon subscriber, Peter Hirsch. He uh, dove right in with some comments after just joining us this month. He said, I really dug STB's music. And so without hearing one song from it, I went out and I bought this album when it came out. I did not expect how bad this album was going to turn out. I remember how bad the Ruh-oh. singer was. And how dumb the lyrics were. I'm pretty sure that Scott Weiland's solo album came out around the same time. And though not a perfect album, it was so much better than Talk Show. I always wondered if this album would have worked had they re-released this album but had Weiland's vocals and lyrics on them. Although Mm -hmm. when I think about it more, the STP albums that came after this were really not much better. I think I liked maybe two or three songs out of the final three albums with Weiland. Interesting. Stephen Musinski says, overall, it's not a surprise that this didn't do well. When you face it off against any one of STP's first three albums, it's definitely definitely pales in comparison. But does that necessarily make it a bad record? Great question. That's perfect for our podcast, Stephen. 
there are several moments throughout where I could easily hear Scott singing some of these melodies, albeit with different lyrics. And musically, this seems to be more of a logical follow-up to Tiny Music than number four ended up being. Although for the record, and contrary to popular opinion, I do though I do thoroughly enjoy number four as well as Shangri-La. But they lost me after that. In fact, I'd rather listen to this talk show record than the self-titled STP record from 2010. Ultimately, it just feels much more like STP than any of the other reunion material. And if nothing else, it's at least an interesting glimpse into what it could have been the fourth STP album under different circumstances. And then um, Scott Witt says, always like STP a lot, bought this, and while it was all right, just didn't click with me. All the time, I kept thinking how it would have sounded better with Wyland singing. Same with the project they did with the filter guy. Richard um, Richard Patrick. Quick aside, I remember reading that the brothers were doing something with Rich Robinson. Don't know if that was true, but I'd like to hear it. Have you ever heard anything about that? No. Rich Robert, the guitar player from the Black Crows? I guess so. Huh. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. Who's singing? I don't know who'd be singing, but that sounds... <laughs> maybe they were doing some sort of two-guitar thing with a, uh, and get a different okay. singer, but... Interesting. I'll have to Google that later. So, Jay, since this was your pick, I'm going to go first with my of course. opinions on this record. Uh, I'm going to tell you one thing that I liked about this record, and I'm going to dip back into a previous episode from this year, and that was our Guitar Gods of the 90s, and I mentioned Dean DeLeo. Uh, I thought that he was an underrated guitarist from the 90s and qualified as a guitar god based on the number of riffs that he wrote that turned into hit songs. For Stone Temple Pilots, and I think that he's on point with this record. Um, you can hear the DeLeo sound. I don't know what it is in his playing. He definitely uses some sort of a unique effect on his guitar that provides a little bit of shimmer. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like like he's got a little. It's he doesn't overdrive his guitar a, a ton on this record, and he didn't do it on Tiny Music either. It seemed like between Core and then Purple and tiny music he reduced the amount of distortion he was using and overdrive and he uses like uh, it almost sounds like he's running it through like a hammond b3 organ at times like he's getting this like shimmery kind of rotary sound on his guitar and maybe he's doubling his guitar and playing one with a little bit of overdrive and then a second one to get that effect but it's Mm -hmm. a really unique sound and and it harkens back to a lot of like 60s sort of psychedelic guitar sounds and I really enjoyed hearing his playing um, on this record and obviously paired with, you know, his brother, Robert and Eric, the drummer from Stone Temple Pilots. Obviously, there's a comparison to be made, you know, to the last uh, Stone Temple Pilots record before this came out, Tiny Music. You could hear that natural extension. Um, it's only, you know, the difference being uh, Dave Coots, the singer, having a, a slightly different vocal delivery and style than Scott Weiland that sort of throws the curveball but um the one thing i really liked i guess i would say would be the um the guitar playing of dean and the and the overall sound that the band brings that where i think that they hit their stride in don't double pilot which was with um tiny music so jay what was in, in revisiting this one thing that you liked hmm. well there's definitely the the stp sound there like you said the guitar tone and playing i think it's he's one of those people is probably as much about just the way he plays as 
the effects he uses. So, uh, you know, I, I like that. I like that there's a more obvious Beatles influence on this record coming through, mm-hmm. which I think they're probably, you know, they would probably admit that they've always had that at one of the bands at the heart of what they, you know, try to do. But I think with Wyland, it's more difficult to hear it, you know, just because he doesn't sing in any way like that. Whereas I think this guy, um, he does can, he, he gets into some melodies that are very like John Lennon esque. So it's weird in that, um, this record is, I guess spotty is, is one way to put it, but I don't even mean spotty in terms of maybe there's some songs that are good and songs that are bad. I mean, it in terms of there's some phrases or sections that I really like a lot and they're followed up by other sections that I don't really care for at all. Um, and sometimes it's in the matter of like a 30 second gap. There'll be something I love and then something I'm just apathetic about or just feel like doesn't fit. It's difficult. It's a, there's moments of, you know, real, I think, um, compelling things going on here between uh, the sound of the band, which is somewhat familiar from the majority of the record, and this new, um, these new melodies and new sounds with the new vocalist. But um, it's also frustrating um, that it doesn't consistently come together, even within the same song. And and they obviously experiment quite a bit on this record too. They start to go in some different directions that are a little bit more, I guess, produced. I mean, Tiny Music has some of this as well, but you know, they they get into more keyboards at times and layering and a lot of acoustic guitars, electric guitars layered on top of each other. I think the drum performance on this is, you know, what you expect from this drummer, yep. uh, which is a good thing. There's some pretty cool fills. So I guess overall, it certainly shows its influences more than I think the SCP records do. Um, I heard a lot more Zeppelin. I heard a lot more Beatles. There's even Peeling an Orange has a harmonica solo in it that sounds exactly like Stevie Wonder. I think overall it just presents itself a little bit uh, in a way that shows their their influences on their sleeve. Now, it's interesting when you mention those influences. I heard as a, I guess, a contemporary in some of these songs like uh, track three, Everybody Loves My Car. Like to me, that sounds like it could have been like an Imperial Drag song. Yeah, and I can it, hear that. And he at times he reminds me, is it Eric Dover is the lead singer yep. of? He reminds me at times of Eric Dover.
think the problem is it was mentioned in our comments. Sometimes his lyrics are not the best. Yeah. In just that they're very kind of mundane. And, you know, I got to give it to Scott Weiland. I never thought of him as a great vocalist in the 90s. Looking back now and realizing how many great hooks and melodies he was responsible for. Yeah. And crafting so many unique melodies and, and lyrical tidbits that really highlights how difficult it is because this is you know it's the same band it's just two different singers with the same material essentially and scott wyland was able to you know put out tripping on a hole in the paper hard or lady picture show and these things that i like resonate and hello hello is nice it's a cool little single but i couldn't help thinking like wow scott wyland would have destroyed this song like he would have done something really cool yeah and this is fine or peeling an orange is is fine but none of these none of these hit those highs that he was able to hit as a vocalist and as a lyric and melody writer and um that to me is is where the album sort of loses it for me is that the 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 good songs only get good and the mediocre songs are pretty bad. Like they're pretty mediocre. Um, and they sound like, you know, what would be, you know, second generation stone devil pilot songs. So like if you were, if there was a band that, you know, sounded like they were ripping off stone devil pilots, they would probably sound like this because they would have a guy who kind of sounds like Wyland, but can't quite pull off the actual, special thing that Wyland could do. Right. Uh, I think if you AB the vocals, you know, just pick up, you know, cause there's some songs in here like, wow, this is kind of the same idea as Vaseline or the same idea as plush. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you AB the songs from this record to whatever the closest equivalent is on a stunt to a pilot's record, one of the things that I noticed right away is that, um, Wyland's vocal just sits better in the music. It cuts through. It has power. Yep. Um, I think this guy, he's struggling to keep pace with the band. Um, he's getting swallowed up by the band and he's got this like slightly raspy, but very like he's not singing from his chest. He's singing from his throat kind of sound that just doesn't project. Um, and what you end up with is like this kind of very at times heavy mix and muddy mix. Uh, that's one of my major criticisms of this record is that it's, it's a simple recording, but it's the mix of it is just not great. And the vocal, it really suffers. So it just gets lost in this, this muddy mix. And part of it is, I don't think it has the power to really project over the music and carry the song. Yeah. Um, and then you mix that with some melodies that are, I don't know, they almost sound like not finished like their ideas and sketches, but they're not quite right. Like they haven't performed the material enough to really get to the heart of what it is. And it hasn't been produced enough to really distill it down. Not yep. musically it has been, but vocally it just sounds like this is a first sketch of an idea and they just kept it. Yep. So they go places where you're like, where's this going? It's just like meandering. Like what, what are we doing here? This is the part of the song where you really should be, you know, it should be elevating and, and segueing to the next or, you know, really shifting to a different mood. And it's 
it's not doing that. It's just a continuation. He doesn't use space well. That was something else I noticed too. Like I think good musicians, regardless of their vocalists or guitar players or drummers, they know they know how to leave space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something we don't talk about enough, but it became apparent to me with with this guy is that he's just like he's filling space with words and sounds instead of really thinking through, okay, what's the melody here and what's the best way to really make it work and how do I change it? Or maybe I should take a breath and step back and not sing or simplify this part. It's just like, you know, meandering melody connected to another meandering melody connected to another meandering melody with oftentimes no real payoff. Um, Right. Yeah. There's just, I think you hit it when you said it sounds like unfinished in the sense that this doesn't sound like a band that's been out on the road and have experienced that live intensity. And it sounds like a studio band. Whereas when you listen to, especially getting into like the second and third, some double pilot albums, like interstate love song or big bang baby, like he's, those are very different songs, but he is like right in the pocket where he needs to be as a vocalist based on the very different styles of, of guitar playing that Dean DeLeo is doing in those songs. And it's, I think there is also something to be said that Scott Wilde was a, a performer as much as a singer. True. And he brings a performance, you know, Vaseline is wildly different than creep or sex type thing. He, you know, had a presence to him and, you know, I haven't heard what Dave Coots did in his previous band, the Ten Inch Men. So it might be similar, it might be wildly different, but there's just not that. Uh, what's is it? Keith or Sutherland? His favorite. His favorite word is gravitas. <laughs> yes. Is that, is that what he told James Lipton? Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Right. Inside gravitas. the actor studio. Gravitas. Like that's what's missing here. There's like there's not that gravitas that. Uh, Right, right. That that Wyland has, and and you know he's a bit. Wyland can be a bit of a chameleon when it comes to how he delivers the vocal in a song, and I kind of didn't. I kind of don't get that. I kind of get like a very sort of straight, sort of repetitive version of one style on this record. Now, what's interesting is looking at the at the credits. Eric Kretz is credit on five different for lyrics on five different songs really either a co-writing on he gets a co-write on three or four of them and then a solo credit on he actually gets lyrical and music music credit for the first song ring twice and then um the only song that dave coots wrote uh wrote the music and lyrics is wash me down which is a song that i did not care for on this record, I think on this record, I, I, on the previous record we did, we liked the slower stuff on the Save Ferris album. I definitely think the slower stuff is what I find less interesting on this this uh, album, and I find the more up tempo stuff, especially the stuff that has clear like Brit influences, like you mentioned the Beatles. I also heard, strangely enough, some Stereophonics. Not that that band, you know, that band was like putting out their solo record and not their solo, their debut record in 1997. But his vocal gets very close to Kelly Jones, that like rasp that Kelly Jones has from the stereophonics. And because of that, mm-hmm. like Beatles influence, it almost sounded like, Oh, they're doing like a little bit of a Brit pop 
sound on some of these songs that would have actually worked well in comparison to like a stereophonics or a Travis in 1997. But the overall record isn't there. It's just bits and pieces of certain songs that have that feel. Once I was a fine man Until I met the woman And then she lost me down But in terms of like the lyrical and musical credits on this record, they're all over the place. I think that um, everybody, pretty much everybody gets a credit in some way, shape or form in terms of music or lyrics in the writing department. So I thought that was interesting because it's more of a stew than a, than a yeah. singular vision. Well, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah. I mean... Maybe that's what I'm hearing in those melodies then is just pe- different people writing lines and just jamming them together on a notebook and then he's just trying to sing it and make sense of it all. I kind of feel um, like that. I kind of feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I have the, the whole process wrong, but from my understanding is that they would do a lot of jamming as a three-piece and Wylan would come in and write lyrics over stuff and then make suggestions on like, hey, let's do the chorus twice here or we need a bridge, that kind of stuff, and then they would work on the song more. And very rarely did Wyland actually like write music. Like I think on sure, I think he's he wrote like Unglued or on this on the second album, which is a fairly straightforward song. Either that or Cracker Man on the first record. One of those two is is credited to um, Wyland. I'm sure there was other ones that he was credited as well. I mean, in terms of like writing all the music and lyrics in one shot. But I get the feeling like they were writing this music, not even really knowing necessarily that Dave Coots was going to be the singer. Like, I get the feeling like they were probably writing this like they got done with Tiny Music. Wylan went into rehab and they were like, let's write some music. And then it realized, well, Wylan's not coming back. We've got these songs or or starts of songs. We need a singer. And then they find Dave Coots. And there you go. Because clearly they, yeah. they did that again with the Army of Anyone album when Wylan was gone again. And then they had Chester Bennington in the band for a while, replacing Wyland. True, yeah. And um, apparently, I read an article recently that Dave Coots chimed in after uh, Wyland passed away, and you know the brothers announced that they were going to try to find a new lead singer. And he was not pleased that they were like so quickly moving on after Wylan had passed away. He, th- he thought it was in, like, in bad taste mm. to, uh, to continue on, or at least continue on so quickly afterwards. So I don't know if he, there's some bad blood between them based on how all this went down. It seemed like they abandoned this pretty quickly. Yep. So there might be some lingering ill feelings, but uh, maybe we could get Dave on. He can explain. I doubt that. The um, the bass is it Robert plays bass really stood out on this record for yep. me. I'll say that I hadn't noticed him as much on previous records. Um, Ring twice, for example, that 
bass is just hot as hell. Like it's mm-hmm. really high up in the mix to the point of almost being ridiculous. Um, but you do appreciate starting with that song and a couple others, just how important he is to the band um, yeah. and w- what he's doing there. I, I think the guitar and the vocal get most of the credit, but that was one thing that stood out to me is uh, you just got a pretty good sense of how important he is to the sound of the band. I feel like he was probably one of the overlooked um, key elements of what made Stone Temple Pilots successful because mm-hmm. he get, he's actually credited as the solo songwriter on one, two, three, four, five of these songs of the 12 songs. Wow. Um, oddly enough, not ring twice. That's the drummer who was, who has the solo credit yeah. for writing, but um, everybody loves my car. So long. John behind and morning girl are all solo credits to Robert DeLeo. And he's got a co-writing credit on end of the world and hide. So interesting. This didn't do well, Jay. Right. Why do you think that is? (laughs) It's not very good, I guess. But you know what? I, I suppose I'm, I'm a little surprised that, it gets as negative comments as it does. Cause I don't, I don't think it's terrible. I just don't think it's great. And I think this is a band that made a lot of not terrible, but not great albums as well. <laughs> you know, so they made some good ones, some really good ones and maybe even a great one. Mm-hmm. But I think the second half of their career, I don't know that any of that material is any better or worse than this material, but I think this record gets really it seems to get called out more, which I'm not sure is fair. Maybe Wyland's voice, regardless of the songwriting and everything else, just saves the others. And, and maybe that's really the difference here of why it wasn't successful. Was it just didn't have that that compelling vocal or lyric to really cut through the radio and, and really make a, a statement? That would be my guess. You know, at the end of the day, vocals, what's most important in a pop song? So unless you're Gary Glitter, like there's very few that don't have... They're not really based on a vocal hook. Well, I think that there's a, you, in terms of uh, what happened after this, I think there's definitely a case to be made that they never recovered. Because if you just, I mean, if you just look at the number of singles that they had in the 90s compared to what happened, and, I, you know, number four came out in 99, but it almost feels like it's from the 2000s because of it's sonically, it doesn't sound similar to what came out in in the um 90s that you know maybe the band was done and 
this was just they were just prolonging the uh, inevitable back half uh, slide because you know none of those albums have more than like a decent single on them. Mm. The last one is pretty forgettable. There's like you know that the lead single between the lines was fine, but it doesn't it pales in comparison to anything that they did in the '90s. Um, it felt like between Purple and Tiny Music, they were actually kind of forging their own path, and that once him going in having the drug relapse and and going to rehab and and doing the solo record and all that, it kind of put them behind the eight ball where they were always chasing because down is like such a attempt at new metal, that big, like tuned down guitar riff. And it's, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing when you listen to it in the context of their overall career, especially in the nineties stuff, which was not as blatantly trying to get on the radio. I mean, they were, they were trying to write radio friendly pop rock songs, but not in terms of like aping a, genre that they had no business trying to get into which was that heavily tuned down new metal sound mm. so so let's get into our worthy album better ep decent single rating on talk show jay um i'll start since you picked this record i'm gonna give this i'm gonna give this a very short ep i would give i would take probably four songs off of this and make an EP. And I think it'd be an interesting side note in the careers of the DeLeo brothers and Eric Kretz. But I don't think this is a worthy album in any way, shape or form. Um, but I take hello. Hello. Everybody loves my car. Um, maybe peeling an orange and either John or behind. And that'd be about or John and or morning girl, maybe. So maybe four or five, but probably four. I'd be at so that's it for me what about you I'm right there with you I got four tracks I got hello hello everybody loves my car end of world and morning girl and then read there's some hits I mean there's some um spots on some other songs that I like and some ideas I like but they're just not yeah complete yeah so I'm an EP so I'm glad we got to talk about this because this is one of those oddball albums from the 90s that's sort of perfect for this show it uh it touches yeah. on a much bigger band that we'll probably avoid talking about in that stone devil pilots because there's not really we don't need to do a think piece on stone devil pilots there's been plenty of <laughs> stuff written about them a think piece yeah a hot take <laughs> okay we don't we, don't well, need we could do a tweet the wyland record though i forgot that that i mean i have that 12 is it 12 bar blues or something 12 bar like that? Blues. yeah that one i would like to get to eventually because that one's way different. Yes. Doesn't, I, I don't remember that sounding like STP at all. I think he goes in a pretty different direction. So yeah. that might be fun to pull out here at some point. Yeah, I remember it being uh, a quite a, a diversion from the normal Wyland sound as well. So I would definitely be curious to check that out. Maybe we'll get to that later this year. Maybe we won't. We'll see what happens. Um, but need to thank. Just um, don't know if there's time. I don't know. There's so, so much to do, Jay. So much I don't know to if there's do. time. I mean, we've got to go to Bed Bath Beyond. I know. Home Depot. Home Depot. Lowe's. <laughs> Not sure if there's time. I got edging to do. <laughs> Just don't know if there's time. We'll get. We'll see. We'll uh, see. 
Jay, we need to thank our Patreon folks who chimed in with their comments and who support this podcast on a weekly and monthly basis. Uh, and then also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over on iTunes. That's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.